to my first dungeon, Honey Heist. The tabletop role-playing podcast where we put first-time game masters through their paces as we build and run their very first one-shot, and then circle back around to discuss what went right, what went wrong, and how they can make their games even better. This is the final part of our three-part series where we take a look back at Chinook's first time running the fantastic one-page RPG, Honey Heist and talk about the highlights and see how he thinks he can improve now that he successfully has a game under his belt. Uh, Chinook, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back, Brian. Always, man. How are you, how are you feeling? Uh, I, I'm happy it's over. Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling good. Happy it's done. I felt good about it. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was not as... It was definitely stressful, but uh, now having done it, I'm like, oh, I could do this again, and it would be much more fun and much more easier. Hell yeah. I had so much fun playing. You know, I never get to play. So anytime I get to play, I am <laughs> thrilled. But as, as I've said before on the show, I am not an expert on Honey Heist. So I'm once again joined by the absolute best person to talk about this game. It's creator Grant Howitt. Welcome back, Grant. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Before we kind of get into how it went, the good, the bad, the highs, the lows, the easies, the toughs. Uh, shoot, can you give us like a one or two minute recap of what happened on your uh, Honey Heist? Yeah, I'll uh, channel my inner Brian. Hell yeah. Last time on Honey Heist. (laughs) Chinook, the unhinged panda bear, was just trying to enjoy the Knicks game at MSG when he got a tip from his old friend Tristan that there was a big loot at this year's HoneyCon. Quickly understanding that this was his big chance to make a name for himself, he set out to gather his crew. His first stop was the Barnum and Bailey Circus, where he found Ahmed, the grizzly bear father of one of Chinook's ex-girlfriends, who had no recollection of Chinook despite Chinook spending Thanksgiving with them that year. Chinook pitched the heist, and after being a bit hesitant, Ahmed bought in when he found out that he could afford 50 golden fezes with his share of the loot. <laughs> the two then set off to the golf course where Ahmed's old crewmate Slick, the honey badger, drove golf carts as a caddy. Upon seeing Ahmed and Chinook, Slick quickly recognized his old friend, and he also recognized that Chinook had also dated his own daughter. Slick quickly dropped his job for an opportunity at another heist, and then they all left to grab the brains of their old crew, Filbert, who they found at Nino's Pizzeria on Staten Island, playing a high-stakes game of Go Fish, which quickly escalated and led to Ahmed severing the hand of Tony, but luckily doing this allowed doctors to find out that Tony had early stages of wrist cancer. After settling the Tony Tony debacle, Schnook, who had also dated Filbert's daughter, convinces Filbert to do one last heist with him, and the crew began planning. The day of the heist, Slick is driving the team in his obnoxiously large limo. He causes a huge accident due to some classic Staten Island road rage. When he pulls into the truck convoys, Filbert gives the tickets to the scanner guy. They're quickly identified as fakes, leading to animal control being called as the entry plan quickly collapses. Ahmed cuts the hands off of all the people trying to stop them, and Slick creates a huge distraction by destroying the parking garage, creating cover for the gang to run into Hanikon without anyone pursuing them. The gang gets in, grabs a map, and heads over to the Beekeeper's Pavilion, where they meet a lonely beekeeper, Linda. Taking advantage of her clear lack of understanding of how friends works, she divulges all of her (laughs) secrets to them immediately, including that she's been sleeping with the big boss of the entire thing. Linda invites them to watch the announcement of the Blue Mansion, where they see Bluvius Maximus, the bear that's running Honeycon, announce that one lucky ticket holder will be gifted the briefcase full of pure Manuka honey extract worth $5 million. Not wanting to wait for the winner to be announced, the guys convince Linda to profess her love to the big boss. 
She asks them to go with her, and Linda quickly takes them inside, gaining access to the big blue mansion. Even though those doors are electronically locked, she uses her keycard to get them in. When she takes them to the inner vault room, Bluebius stumbles upon them. Filbert draws a gun on Bluebius and forces him to take them to Papa. Walking towards the vault, the gang realizes this, this isn't any ordinary blue mansion. This is the mansion of the Disney Junior star Bear in the Big Blue House. As the vault opens, the old grizzly is sitting on a throne surrounded by opulent honey. Linda professes her love to the bear, but he quickly rejects her. Filbert shoots the bear in the Big Blue House's right hand right off. And as he does this, Bluebius tries to wrestle the gun away, blasting Filbert's right hand right off there at the same time. As uh, Bluebius goes to take another shot, he whiffs it, drops the gun. Slick goes full bear and kills Bluebius. As Slick goes full bear, he starts eating all the honey and is no longer able to help his gang. The bears then realize that the police have been alerted and they're on the way, a SWAT team approaching shortly. Bluebert reveals that after he found out Tony got a robotic hand, he visited the same doctor and got one installed on himself. Using his robotic hand to detach, he grabs the briefcase and as Slick watches his friends struggle to get out of this situation, he remembers how he once promised to get sober off of honey after the last heist. He did with the, and after he does this, he comes to, and the crew takes off. The bears quickly go through a detour through the kids' room that has access to the helipad on top of the trucks. Ahmed unsuccessfully tries to slash open the door, but then after seeing the handle is shaped like bamboo, Schnook chomps down to unlock the door. As the crew runs up to the helipad, they see a Knicks-themed chopper, and coming out of it is owner of the Knicks, James Dolan. Slick, infuriated by James Dolan, throws him off the truck convoy, killing James Dolan, and New York is now safer for some reason. Uh, as they hop into the helicopter, Slick starts going full bear again, and his old friend Filbert restrains him, and as Schnook and Ahmed figure out how to fly a chopper, it seems all is well. Filbert, looking ahead, pounds down some honey and goes full bear with his old friend Slick as they fly off into the sunset. Hell. That's what happened. Yeah, now that's a game. That's <laughs> a, a game right boy there. Classic Boy Meets Girl. Classic <laughs> story. One of the greats. <laughs> they say there's really only one one tale in all of storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, <laughs> we covered it. I guess to start out, Chinook, when you were running it, what were some of your favorite parts of this game? Just actually, so, so, sorry, I, I'm, I'm really sorry to interrupt. One thing I want to make clear, Chinook was also the name of one of the characters. Oh, yes. Which, yeah. is something, which is something I want to make super clear, because it was, <laughs> it was strange to me hearing it when I heard it through. But Chinook yeah. was the real name of the GM yes. and the character name of the panda bear, almost as I think a sort of taunt against you. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely was. Yeah, okay. Was that, was that I, I wasn't quite aware of the dynamics on the show, but was that, was that guy your mate? Who named himself? Yeah, he right, was, yeah. Uh, he's a an old an old friend. The, the, there is some inside baseball here in that all of the Staten Island jokes were because Chinook is from Staten Island, which is the butt of all New Yorker jokes. Any of the jokes about Ohio were because I'm from Ohio, so Ohio is easy to play on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Chinook was uh, we were just giving Chinook shit. I guess I just yeah. I just I, I wanted to, to get ahead of that because from Chinook's description, he may have been describing himself <laughs> um, to uh, to the energy. So sorry, please, Brian, please go ahead and ask that question. Of course, uh, yeah. So Chinook, the 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 GM, Chinook, the player. Yeah. What was your what were some of your favorite bits from this game? Like, what do you think went just spectacularly? Um, what went spectacularly? That is a great question. I really enjoyed Filbert's intro scene. I think that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. just because it got all of you guys in the room. And then you were in a pizzeria that's like very familiar to me. Like it somehow became Danino's Pizzeria on Staten Island without like my intention of it becoming that place. 
which like was just easy in and of itself to create that 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 space and that world. And then the whole bit about cutting off his right hand and that curing his cancer. And then I think Nathan really took that to like heighten that to like a spectacular like did not expect. And that was like Ahmed's recurring joke after that of like he's just slicing off people's hands left and right. I think that was probably my favorite little bit that we we created together. It was very fun. It was just a great the joke happened early enough that we could just keep hitting it. And it was it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Grant, as you were listening through, uh, were there any moments that, like stood out to you as being particularly fun or like particularly notably honey heist moments? You know what I mean? One of my favorite bits in any honey heist game is when there's there's clearly a plan and the plan has gone wrong. And then one of the players is like, wait, I'm a fucking bear. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And so they just start they start mauling everyone. There's very little you can do to stop someone who's got a high bear rating. Um, aside from like some sort of pit trap. So I think it was the scene where you had guns pulled on you and you were trying to break in and you'd just been like like they'd been rolling they'd been rolling their failures through and through and through, like for a really simple hold up this this ID card. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um pass. And to have like, well, I'm gonna cut off everyone's hand. Like that seemed like that was that was the that's that's the sort of spike of energy I think which um, which typifies any heist games. We had a couple of those moments too where you know like Nathan towards the end, Bluevius was like running towards a a button. Everyone was like talking for a couple minutes, like oh what do we do what do we do? And Nathan's like well, no wait I I have a gun I point the gun at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, stop. <laughs> Shnook, from when you started planning uh, to what actually happened. Ballpark percentage. What percentage of your plans do you think actually got enacted versus how much do you think you had to make up on the spot? Mm. Like 5% of the things I had planned <laughs> happened. And then everything else was on the spot immediately. You guys are absolute monsters, forcing me to do a bunch of things I did not expect to have to do. I think the only thing that I had planned that like I f- was like, this is happening no matter what, was like the bear in the big blue house. Like, this is going to happen. And that's the only thing that happened. And that, that is a bit of uh, maybe a U.S. specific thing. So for anyone not familiar with Baron Big Blue House, it's a, a Disney Channel children's show from like the early aughts, late 90s. And the whole thing, mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, there's a big blue house and there's a, a man in a giant bear puppet suit that goes around and does like, I don't know, tell stories. And then every night he talks to the moon and the moon like sings him to sleep. That's a very cute cartoon that I have not thought about in 15 plus years. But I love the reveal of the bear in the big blue house. It's honestly kind of the same thing uh, Abby did. I, I think one shots are really good for like these like kind of pun reveals, these fun like joke reveals. Mm, uh, like Abby mm. in her one shot did. It was a Western theme. And the whole time we're trying to figure out like who's the bad guy. And we realize it's Jolene from the Dolly Parton song. Jolene, Jolene. <laughs> she was just describing her in terms of her, of, of her auburn hair. And exactly. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and slowly we built and then like there's a moment right before she says it where everyone goes, oh, <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, at the end of that, like the magic item we're trying to get has like a like a mystical keyword on it. That's like weird written. We realize it's my man because we're begging, uh, darling, please don't take my man. Uh, it's very fun. Yeah, you can get away with a lot of shit in 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 uh, in one shots and indeed writing the games. It doesn't have to hold together a great amount <laughs> Like <laughs> you've given a lot of leeway. I, I know when we came into this, you were concerned about not being able to like improv our choices, maybe like kind of forcing players to do one thing and not honoring their choices, whatever. I think we 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 definitely put that to the test with this. <laughs> you did so well, Shanu. You did amazingly well. I like I 
I really feel like Brian might have bought in, like, what's the word, a ringer? Because <laughs> you're, you, you, like, perhaps you've role played enough. I don't, I, I, or, or like, perhaps you've done some sort of improv training, but the, the way in which you were able to, like, to have someone effectively throw a challenge at your feet and then for you to go, for you to pick it up and then run with it and go, yeah, and this happens. Yeah, and this is the thing. And the, the players gave you so much right at the start and you kept that and you kept sort of throwing it back at them and you kept rather than inventing something new drawing it back to the things which were established initially which is how you make an interesting story and yeah you did it you did it really well i think like there was there was no there was no sign that you were struggling oh i feel i i really that that mean that that means a lot wow that's uh <laughs> i i didn't i don't, i mean the whole experience i think was like as if i had woken up and someone was like, all right, drive this plane. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> and then after a while, I, like, I figured I like figured out which buttons to click. And then I was like, oh, what if I click this button? And then things kind of like started freaking out. And I, you know, unclick it. It didn't feel like that in the moment. I mm. definitely think I, I felt like I was struggling. But I think, I don't know, it was a lot of fun regardless of what happened. So, And I would say like while playing, it never came across as you were struggling. It was just like you took, I think what I always find is when I'm DMing, what it what it take when it feels like ten seconds of thinking, it really is like a second of thinking, and everyone's oh. like, oh, "Okay, he's just <laughs> naturally pausing to breathe before he speaks, rather than oh, what, what what's happening? My brain's freaking out." <laughs> yeah, no, it, there was never a time when when someone threw something at you and you said no. It was always yes. Mm. I mean, it was classic improv. Yes, and it was always heightening. It was always drawing from the world and like amplifying the world. And, and I think we we probably could have been kinder to you because like as i was listening back i'm sure there were yeah, a little bit <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there were there were a few times where i'd hear i'd like realize you had dropped clues and we had completely ignored them <laughs> like, like it, I, I realized in the Danilo's pizzeria there was a whole thing about like yeah we're going to be giving out raffle tickets and the raffle winner wins the honey we never touched that we no one yeah. ever discussed it <laughs> yeah i totally was like Oh, like the easy way to do this is just wait till they give away the honey and then steal the honey from that guy that wins it. And you guys are like, nah, we're going to go inside and fuck shit up, which is like the fun thing to do. Right. Yeah. But uh, I felt like it was nice being in a room full of people who like I, you know, were like fun and 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 like not like, yes, you guys are dicks, but like not dicks in like the mean spirited way. Yeah. Mm. Like in the let's have fun and be dicks at the same time. Which was like nice. And like, I didn't feel super uncomfortable of like, oh, OK, I have to like be the like be i don't know control the story make everything funny like, mm. you guys made most of the things funny and like fun for me which made the entire game much easier to play and i think it is important like we specifically for the show i always like ask whoever the dm is like whoever the game master is who they'd want to play with to make it as comfortable as possible for the first time running a game i think the only person you had never met was nathan yeah and nathan was great and, Na and nathan's a good friend of mine he's a very very fun guy i knew he would fit in well but everyone else you had like good relationships with so when you are doing something you're nervous about doing for the first time and that you think will be difficult it makes it a lot easier and more fun like better chance to succeed when you're with people who know you who like you and who are actively trying to help you even if that help mm -hmm. sometimes uh is throwing shit your way that you may or may not be able to handle <laughs> <laughs> you know but it's fun we kind of talked about what you were worried about beforehand and like kind of how that played out on the day and I think killed it. Like as far as not being like worrying about not being able to improv, worrying about not being able to honor our choices. 
as a player, I never felt that. Like there wasn't even a moment where I was like, oh, I kind of wanted to do this and he made me do this. It was like, no, every choice I made was honored, whether or not they should have been. Like every now and then I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe you should have said no. That's, yeah, <laughs> I may have been too lenient. Which is, you know, great. From the session, what surprised you as being either easier or harder than you expected? I think uh, Grant gave me some advice in session one of like create props and like things for the like characters to play with. And I was like, all right, yeah, that should be pretty easy. And then in doing it, it was like really hard to like mm. specifically give props to people. Like there were times where like I was like, oh, yeah, like arts characters who, who was playing Chinook, the panda bear. <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh, I, I need to like make things more bamboo looking specifically because like <laughs> I just like I'm not doing that and he's not being able to use his skill. And then there was like a moment like we were like maybe an hour into the game and Nathan was like, I haven't gotten to climb anything. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to like give descriptions of things that Nathan could climb to use his skill. And so it's like I think it was also understanding like because this was the first time Art and Vivek were really playing like a, a tabletop RPG. So they you know, sometimes players will like ask like, oh, like, what is this thing? Like, is there this thing in the room? Like you were asking like, oh, can I see if there's a car so you could use your driving skills? Right. And that's like something like a player that's who's played before he does is like, oh, yes, like there's probably something like this. I just have to ask for it. Whereas like the vacant art, we're doing that because like they just, you know, it's not something you think of the first time you're playing a tabletop game. So it's like up to the GM to kind of like prompt them in a way to like, hey, there's this thing if you want to try and do it, which like I kind of caught on with art a little bit. I did a bad job with Nathan's character, I think. And the fact that like Ahmed was just a strong guy, he could just do whatever he wanted. It was a bit easier, but creating those props and like intentionally doing that for the newer characters was just something I, I that was hard and, and slipped my mind a lot. You, you laid on another thing that I want to kind of commend you for in that of your four players, two of them had two of them, I believe, had never played any kind of mm. tabletop role playing game. Nathan and I have both played pretty extensively, uh, but Art and Vivek had never played. And I, I haven't spoken with Vivek, but at least I've spoken with Art and he didn't know tabletop role-playing games could be fun. Like was coming into this, you know, thought it would thought it sounded fun, but had no idea and left feeling like, Oh wow, this is a world I want to explore more. Like Mm. it was actively enjoying it. And it can be really tough as a first time player coming in, just not knowing the the kind of like language of tabletop role-playing games. Like, yes, we explain the rules. Yes. We kind of like talk through the very specific rules for honey heist, but kind of the, standard moves or like if you hand someone a video game controller yeah you can tell them what the game the goal of the game is if they've never pressed the buttons before it's going to take them a minute and i think the way you set up the world and the way you like guided the players through allowed vivek and art to like very quickly be fully immersed and be fully in like it only took them 5 10 15 minutes before they were right up there playing in the same Mm -hmm. using the same like terminology and uh, kind of base knowledge as me and nathan Uh, And I think that's like very much to your credit of creating Mm. a very open and easy space to play with it. The uh, the best prop which you put in was the uh, the beekeeper daughter who who didn't have any friends (laughs) because like that's that's the thing like like I I think perhaps it's perhaps demeaning to uh, describe someone as a prop in story terms. It's like your role as a GM. I believe is twofold. On on one hand, you need to find adventure and find challenge and excitement wherever the players look. And two, you have to give them what they want. And so, like, if people are desperate to lie to and be generally silly to an NPC, giving them an NPC who's like, yeah, okay, is that's fine. <laughs> they, they, they can just ride that joke around and have tremendous yeah. fun with it. 
you did very well there. The 80s are over, and you're not kids anymore. Now is a much darker time. Something happened to you, and you got touched by the weird, and it made you wild, and it made you powerful. This is the world of The Lost Bay, a suburban gothic RPG. A fever dream set in 1990X and inspired in equal parts by dark fantasy, horror classics, and the 90s indie culture. After years of development, and thanks to the feedback and support of a community of early enthusiasts, The Lost Bay is coming to Kickstarter, featuring a full rulebook and complete setting designed by Eco, kick-ass art by Evangeline Gallagher, killer maps by Strega Wolf Vandenberg, and six additional modules by some of the coolest designers in the indie scene. So go to thelostbayrpg.com to be notified on launch. That's thelostbayrpg.com. Looking back at uh, our first episode, I know you said the advice from Grant about props was really helpful to you and like really helped you think about this game. Were there any other big pieces of advice that you thought were key things that you used to kind of like make this successful honey heist? Yeah, definitely. I think um, establishing like relationships up top was super helpful. Uh, I do think like uh, I did have in my notes like circled it like starred make two of these bears divorce and then in creating our characters i totally like like that page was like stuck to another page so i just missed the note and then i was like i know there's something i'm missing here but i don't know what it is and then we moved on and like half of the game was like oh my god i was supposed to make one of these guys divorce from each other and then really really whiff that one but the next honey heist i'm <laughs> there's gonna be two divorces well, the, the, fact, the fact that you had a character who dated all of their daughters was and so like, good. Yeah, like like that's 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 great because they've got their own backstory as their own sort of high mm-hmm. school. They can come up with whatever nonsense you've got there. And then you've got this weird panda bear who fucks daughters. <laughs> who just, <laughs> who's just who's just turning up. But the fact that like he was at Thanksgiving, you've got like all you need is about seven words to go, oh, you remember that time when? And then people can just start spinning off it themselves. And they did. You get you gave them the agency that you needed. And I think like but by establishing up front that this world is malleable <laughs> and nothing matters until we've said it, but we understand this sort of shared consensus, it let them build the story themselves. I think it was when when your man had uh had as it turns turns out he had a robot hand. Yeah. And yeah. like and like you'd built a world which allowed him to go, actually. Fuck it, I've got a robot hand, um, and you and you you'd allowed that level of freewheeling, and you, yeah, you should be you should be celebrated for that. Nice, yeah. I do think we figured out the um, the joy of the flashbacks. Like once once we started figuring out the flashback, we were like, oh wait, more of this. This is fun, and then it like really climaxed when Nathan went back and had a robot hand. Like that was. <laughs> I, I think we needed another hour to just like really fuck around with the fact uh, flashbacks. That they were in the same pizzeria which you effectively <laughs> robbed. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the only place where we can have our flashback meetings. All right, boys, pull up a chair. Just, oh, it was it was lovely. I like that a lot. <laughs> it, it really fleshes out the world of Staten Island that all crime is done through one Domino's pizzeria. <laughs> God, it was so much fun. I just, it's such a fun game. <laughs> it was so good. It was so, so good. 
And there was one more piece of advice that Grant gave me. Oh, and then like the advice of like, if they do like, you know, there are three steps to to getting things done. It was like helpful and kind of like, just like realizing, okay, like they've done enough. They can have like, there's, let's just end it and, and get this over with. They've, they've done the work to get the thing and they've, you know, I presented them the challenges and they've, they've given me solutions to, to get out of the challenges. That was helpful. Totally. The next little thing I want to talk about is a, a segment on the show that I call left on the dungeon floor. So this is like <laughs> the, the shit they should have shown all the stuff that you had in your notes that we didn't get to see. Get, give us a little peek about some of the stuff we could have done that you had planned that we completely ignored or never got to. <laughs> there was going to be an, uh, like, so like I, I made so like I spent like maybe like an hour to like making this entire map of like the, the convention center. And I, was, like, I could I just, hear it like, in your voice <laughs> when you were describing the B video games. I think you mentioned something. Yeah. Like yeah, you were describing yeah. the con and I'm like, oh, cool. That's three scenes. And they're like, no, fuck that. Yeah, they absolutely. You took the first, like the beekeepers pavilion was just like the this like lonely like. I really didn't have a plan for that. You guys kind of forced me to. I didn't think you were gonna. You were gonna. I think my plan for the beekeepers pavilion was like, oh, it's gonna be empty. So like, if they need to hide somewhere, they can hide there, and no one's gonna bother mm -hmm. them. And then there was like the mansion, obviously. And then there was like a like a bunch of stands with honey stuff. There was like an artist performer space where I was gonna have like a bunch of bears that they like had caught at previous honey cons like they're forced to to like perform there oh, and you man, guys could have convinced dark. them to like help you with wow. that yeah some dark shit move over world of darkness we've got a new <laughs> <laughs> uh and then there was a like writer's like author's space where like you would see a bunch of just like famous people who come to honey con and and like have all this it, like there was just going to be a bunch of juicy information for you there there was like security desks we could have gone into like hack the system and like figure out like unlock the doors <laughs> and like the vault and do all these things. But I also realized like at that point, cause you were giving me the like time, like where we were at, I was like, they can explore one place at best and we have to get, we have to just get this thing rolling. Um, so I realized I maybe have created, I created too much for us to explore in this one shot and I gets fine at the end of the day. It's all yeast, which is, it's just the way that I try to describe it. And like, if you, if you create something, it's, it's a bit like um, how some kitchens have like an open mother of yeast, which they continue like keep ticking over. Um, anything you create, even if you never use it in a game, is still the act of creation is useful, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also one of those things where you've created all these like little tools you could drop into any other future game, you know, kind of piecemeal. Well, not any game. <laughs> okay, not any game. <laughs> <laughs> but but the general idea of things you could you could kind of move around yeah. um yeah it's a good point <laughs> <laughs> yeah the other constriction you were kind of under making your job harder and harder you didn't know what the game was when you came in you had two first-time players you'd never run a game before you're doing it for a podcast to be recorded and i gave you a time limit i was like well, i want to keep this episode under two hours so every half an hour i was sliding you a little piece of paper that said hey we're 30 minutes in, 60 minutes in, 90 minutes in, two hours in. And all of those were tackled. All of these things I threw at you didn't matter. And that was the stuff outside of the game, not even within the game of four different people trying to break down this world as best they could to do the thing they wanted to do, uh, which is really fucking fun. <laughs> I would also say that you did a really good job of presenting Honey Heist, uh, Honeycon as a straight man for the bears to be agents of chaos in. 
Mm-hmm. And I think like one of the temptations I've seen from a lot of new GMs and a lot of people who are maybe new to one shots is that the the environment is wacky because mm-hmm. it's an easy way to make humor. You make it really silly and what have you. Um, and it's like, well, we've already got bears in hats with guns, so it doesn't matter. But it does matter. You have to try and keep it as mundane as you can whilst being ridiculous. So the fact that the bear pulls a gun remains funny. So having mm-hmm. everything be a bit rubbish was really useful. And I, uh, you, you should be, you should be lauded for that. And there's a thing there, just kind of in general, like if you're trying to play something for comedy and make it funny, comedy is all about comparison and contrast. If you make something that is wacky and then wacky things happen in it, well, that's just, oh, it's just a wacky world. If you make a grim, dark, serious world and then a bear pulls a gun, there's comedy there. Mm. It's just a lot, <laughs> you know, easy, easy way to do it. You need to give yourself room. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that's also, you know, what I was saying before, you just created the space, you created the atmosphere, which is, as any game master would tell you, is tough. Like, that's not something you d- usually do your first time out of the gate. You know, I know for my personal experience, I focused like too much on the monsters I was going to use or the this or the that mm. and failed to create a proper environment to like really let people play and explore and have fun. Yeah, my, my first GMing was absolute cock. <laughs> I was I was 13 years old and it was it was it was it was in the back of a book it's called like you know like fighting fantasy books it used to have like used to roll the dice and have this it was like choose your own adventure but with skill checks oh They're very popular in the UK cool. that's cool I've never heard of that. um yeah um well imagine a choose your own adventure game but if you roll a one you have to stop playing the game <laughs> so it's not quite as cool as it sounds but um we had uh, it had four full pages of flavor text to read at the start of the game, and we got through one room of goblins. And then my friends and I watched um, uh, German pornography um, <laughs> on, on, on illegal satellite TV instead, which was much better. So uh, yeah, you did you, you did much better than me, uh, Shinny. You're a little older. I don't know. I'm just a little tad. Yeah, but you also weren't competing with German pornography, so I mean, I, that's well, we're all always competing with German <laughs> pornography. <laughs> it's more accessible than ever. It's <laughs> the thing to remember. Any any time you start slacking, remember you're competing with German pornography. <laughs> Step it up. Keep working. Nose to the grindstone. The Germans won't stop. <laughs> okay, so we've we've kind of covered our how this game went i think grant and i both agree as i said in the episode one i'm a proud papa bear i thought it was fucking great <laughs> i had fun playing i had fun listening back i had fun editing it it was super wacky and fun after this experience i know you were nervous going in i really threw a lot at you You handled it all with grace and and cunning do you think you want to run a game again either of honey heist or of something else yeah, I, I think I've well, I've been texting friends and being like, hey, you want to play Honey Heist? Uh, and like I pitched them the game and I'm like trying to get a little group together, to, like just play for without like the constrictions of a podcast. Mm-hmm. I think I want to try that out uh, uh, relatively soon. I would love to do that. Brian, and, do uh, you ever ask that question and people say no? <laughs> I've, I've, only <laughs> had, I've only had it twice. I'm just trying to imagine the tremendous drop in energy. 
that like like we spend multiple hours getting this person get up. Do you want to do it again? Ah, <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. Thank you, Brian. You know, can we be, stop recording? To be fair, I do set it up as a pretty leading question. <laughs> I only ask it when I'm pretty sure there's a high chance of success. <laughs> I, th- I hope that you have fun um, off off mic as well uh, recording. But that's the thing because having your first game that you're running on a show is a vastly different experience mm-hmm. from having the first game from, from, from running a game just just for your mates around a table or over a Zoom chat. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, I I kind of I prefer doing stuff for podcasts because there's an element of performance and it's it's like right like we're going to yeah. effectively jam together and make something and then put it out there and people can listen to it but there's something really nice about about like we're going to improvise a story and it's just for us and like n- like i'm i'm in charge of the tone you're in charge of the characters let's see what happens and i think yeah i i i hope you have fun with it yeah thanks grant i'm i'm really excited i you know, it's been like a wild, what, like three months now, Brian, of me diving into tabletop RPGs and pretty sure I'm addicted at this point. I just I, I want to play more. I want to do more. I'm also like going to start DMing a game of D&D soon. So, yeah, you, I yeah, got hooked. yeah, you stop buying the hardback books. That's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you charge us so much for one page. Goes. Fair enough. Got to start contributing my uh, my dues. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta start tithing to the the tabletop role playing gods here. <laughs> no, I, I I I I think that the two hour, two and a half hour advert that you put together for Honey Heights is probably enough. <laughs> I've only got like one more big thing I want to talk about. Is there anything either of you wanted to bring up uh, before I kind of move into like last piece of advice type thing? There is a sentence in the game which says, "As a bear, you cannot speak." You cannot speak human. You can sort of mangle human speech. <laughs> that is very different from what occurred in the game. And I was I just going to bring I up. Am, I am thankful for that. Because every time I run Honey Heist, the closest we get to like a tense negotiation scene is someone going... Or I have to introduce other bears for them to talk to. Or like a goose or something <laughs> because like right off the bat we've got not only are these bears um capable of driving of doing stunt driving but <laughs> but they are capable of talking to celebrities and indeed having opinions on those celebrities <laughs> to those celebrities and that meant that we just got like we got a lot of interplay between different characters like especially like all the like between all the gangsters in the bar mm-hmm. and between the different NPCs that you met. And like, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. And the fact that you were bears was something which I almost like people had to be occasionally reminded of. <laughs> like it was, it, it was a useful pressure release valve for this daft heist you're running. I was like, Oh, by the way, fuck it. I maul everyone. Cause I'm a bear. I think that was, yeah, that was, that was lovely, but it is definitely not how the game is. <laughs> <laughs> There was that really lovely moment where I, th- I think it was Brian's character walked into the um, walked into the bar, took off his hat, and slicked his hair back. Yeah, and then for 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 a split second, I said, oh, "Oh my god, it's a fucking bear!" But you put the hat back on, and like, yeah, I was. Um, y- your levels of humanity were relatively high, but it definitely worked out for you. <laughs> I was just about to say, yeah. There's a sentence that uh, that there is a rule that you can't t- speak to humans that I. I think I, I I obviously whiffed completely, 
I remember after the game, I was like, hey, man, by the way, you know, there's a rule that says we can't talk to humans. I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, for the podcast, I felt like it was uh, <laughs> yeah, be more annoying to like I to make the scenes a bit longer. So I was like, oh, we just got to, you know, put that rule to the side. And I was like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we picked four very loquacious people. Uh, there's no way we weren't going to talk. <laughs> we would have had full conversations by mumbling. Okay, uh, I think the last thing I want to do before we before we get out of here, Chinook, now that you have played through a game successfully, a more loquacious game than it was maybe, maybe intended, but a successful game of Honey Highest with plans to do another, the entire first part was Grant giving you advice about how to run a game. What advice do you have for future players of Honey Heist now that you have gone through this experience uh, once yourself? Is there anything that you want to highlight that Grant said in episode one or in this episode or something you've kind of discovered on your own that you think would be helpful? Yeah, I think I listened to uh, your first episode with Grant where Grant said, if you're going to start doing a tabletop, if you're going to do your first, uh, like GM your first tabletop RPG, don't do a one page <laughs> RPG. Absolutely true. Don't start with that. I told uh, you not to let him listen to that. <laughs> I tried to keep him away, but he, he subscribes to the newsletter. So. Uh. <laughs> Even like that, like that being said, it was still a lot of fun and not as like difficult to do as I thought it would be. Having listened to that episode, I think it really is just surrounding yourself with people who are like just down to clown and are like not, you know, are just like willing to like go on this journey with you and learn with you in the moment and have like you're going to you could put together a basic plan to make yourself feel good about it. Um, Just know that. It's probably not going to happen. Most likely you're going to have to improvise on the spot and it's going to be fine. It's going to be cool. And all of the fun is not put on you. Your players will create the fun with you. I think that is the, the big thing I'm walking away from this. It's like, oh, I'm not. In, I, I can I just have to create the world and the fun will just happen. I don't have to create those funny moments. They'll just happen organically with the players. And then read the rules, man. Just read all the <laughs> rules. Don't panic <laughs> when you're creating characters and looking through the, the, the rule sheet. Don't don't panic. and. You have time. You can breathe. You don't have to rush through everything. I think that's one of my biggest things that I that I just kind of like, oh, I have to like give this answer now and have all these things done now. Where it's like, no, you can take a breath and like take your time. There's no huge rush to 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 say a word. Take a second and then say something. Uh, what you were saying reminded me there's a an Eisenhower quote I really like that plans are useless, but planning is essential. Like you're you're gonna make your plan, you're gonna make all these big things. It's gonna go to shit. But the act of building, the act of creating, the act of like getting yourself in the headspace and in the world is going to be miles and miles more valuable than the actual nitty gritty things you create. Because quite frankly, your players will, no matter what you try, will always blow shit up. I don't think I've ever had a session run according to plan or even 50% according to plan. If a session runs entirely to plan, write a fucking book. Exactly. <laughs> don't just write a novel and get it out of your system because otherwise that's just people trying to guess what, what you're thinking. And that's not what we're here for. We're here to have fun. We're here to go mad, crazy, bonkers, and we're here to steal some goddamn honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is all for this episode of My First Dungeon Honey Heist. Uh, thank you so much to our first time GM, Chinook. Uh, Chinook, can you tell uh, the people where they can find you if they want to find you online? Yeah, you can find me at Chinook on Twitter and Instagram or at Fake Chinook on TikTok. Hell yeah. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. And a big, big thank you to Grant Howitt for helping us learn this game and for creating Honey Heist. 
Great. Can you tell the folks where they can find you and what new games you have on the horizon? Sure. I'm basically everywhere as G-S-H-O-W-I-T-T. That's G-S Howitt. Uh, in terms of new games on the horizon, coming out this summer, we have Orkborg, which is a hack of Morkborg featuring orcs, uh, which is great. Uh, and coming out today on the day of recording, so it will be live when you hear this, is a game I'm writing with Jian Shen, which is called Captain Swan Hands, um, <laughs> where you play a superhero, but your your some part of your hands are replaced with live animal parts. Uh, and it's about the trials and tribulations of trying to hold down an office job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next season on My First Dungeon, we're going to be playing. <laughs> yeah, I'll, Links in the show notes. Go check that shit out. I'm going to be checking that out today. Please be sure to check out all of these games. Uh, and even more than that, please play some Honey Heist. If you've listened to this, if you listen to Schnook play, I think you are more than prepared. Get out there. Do it. It is very easy to learn. It is incredibly fun to play. And remember, if you are having fun, you're already doing it right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Brian, the host of My First Dungeon. If you've enjoyed listening to this game of Honey Heist and learning about the wild world of one-page RPGs, I encourage you to check out the 20-sided newsletter. It's our free, bi-monthly newsletter delivered directly to your inbox. Our latest issue is all about one-page RPGs and features an exclusive interview with Honey Heist creator Grant Howitt, as well as a never-before-seen one-page spy-themed RPG written by, well, by me. Uh, I had so much fun learning about one-page RPGs and playing them, I decided to take a stab at it myself. If that sounds interesting to you, you can find the link down in the show notes below, or you can go to 20sidednewsletter.substack.com. Thanks. If you're hearing this, that means you listen to every last second of this episode. If you're not caught up yet, that's great, because then there's plenty more to listen to. But if you are caught up, and you simply can't wait for the next episode, then you should head on over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod and become a member of the Dice Pool. For just a few bucks a month, you'll get cast talkbacks, original games, and a full-length bonus actual play each and every month. As of the end of 2023, there is already over 20 hours of bonus audio, plus a whole bunch of other goodies to enjoy. So head on over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod and jump into the dice pool. We'll see you there.